Good morning, and welcome to Crossroads of Rockland History. I'm Claire Sheridan from the Historical Society of Rockland County, and on today's show, we'll turn our attention to the historic Lafayette Theatre, Rockland's only single-screen movie palace, celebrating its 100th anniversary this year. We'll learn all about the theater's history and the ongoing events celebrating the centennial with my guests, Ari Ben-Moshe and Rockland County historian Craig Long. The Historical Society of Rockland County is a nonprofit educational institution and principal repository for documents and artifacts relating to Rockland County. Our headquarters are a four-acre site featuring a history museum and the 1832 Jacob Blauvelt House located at 20 Zucker Road in New City, New York. We are listed on the National Register of Historic Places and a designated New York State Path Through History site. And part of our broad and challenging mission is to share the history of Rockland County with the public. As a private, nonprofit institution, not a county or state agency, the Historical Society of Rockland County depends on charitable contributions to fulfill its educational and preservation mission. We hope you will consider making a financial contribution, and you can do that safely online by visiting our website at rocklandhistory.org and clicking the Donate button at the top of the landing page. We'd love to count our listeners as financial supporters of the Historical Society of Rockland County. I am live in the studio today, so if you have a question or a comment, please feel free to call us. The number here is 845-429-1700. That number again, 845-429-1700. In March of 1924, the Suffern Theater destined to become a landmark in the village of Suffern, opened. It was built by A.J. Miller's Suffern Amusement Corporation and modeled after the Cameo Theater in New York. In 1925, during the centennial of General Lafayette's visit to this area, the name Lafayette was added to the theater marquee. In the 1930s, the theater received a major renovation, and many decorative features in the Art Deco style are retained from this period. At the turn of the 21st century, the theater became the target of developers who planned to demolish the old structure and build a multiplex theater. Public outcry and the formation of a citizens group called the Lafayette Association to Save the Theater, L-A-S-T, Last Chance, they called attention to this impending loss of the historic structure, and that's when Ari Ben-Moshe and his father, Robert Ben Moshe stepped in to become the angels of the Lafayette Theater. Their restoration of this important landmark was recognized in the form of a Rockland County Executive's Historic Preservation Merit Award in 2003. And that's where we'll begin our program today. Hello, Ari Ben Moshe, and hello, Craig Long. Thanks for being here on Crossroads of Rockland History. It's great to be here. Hi, Claire. And hello, Craig. I'm so thankful you're on this call, too, to uh, keep me honest with Lafayette's history. So it's great to be with you. <laughs> yes, good morning to both of you. It, it, it's great for us to have a, a show like this. Um, you know, Claire, it's, it's wonderful what you do. Um, and I think that it, it kind of goes in hand with the fact that Rockland County is very fortunate to have the Lafayette Theater. Absolutely. Before we begin speaking about the theater and the, and the festivities surrounding the centennial, can you each take a moment to tell our listeners a little bit about yourselves? So let's start with Ari. Okay, sure. Well, my name's Ari Ben-Moshe, 
And I was born and raised in Suffern, New York. So I was born in Good Samaritan Hospital and uh, lived in Suffern, went to Suffern High School, and uh, always used to go to this theater growing up as a kid. Since then, I've uh, ventured into a career in commercial real estate investment, uh, moved around uh, to New York City, to Chicago, and have now settled in Westport, Connecticut, where I still run my run my business out of there and slowly become involved in local town needs there where I sit as an elected official on their RTM, which is like the local uh, legislature of the town. So that's that's most recent. Great. And Craig? Well, uh, like, like Ari, um, I too was born and suffered in New York in, in Good Samaritan Hospital um, and have stayed, uh, stayed in suffering. Um, I too went to the Lafayette Theater as a kid uh, and initially didn't appreciate the grandeur of the space. It wasn't until I would go to neighboring theaters, like in Ramsey, New Jersey, or New City, or Nanuet, realizing that, wait a minute, we got something really special back in Suffern. We've got the Lafayette. No movie house or palace compares to that uh, in, in Rockland County. Absolutely. So, Craig, um, if you wouldn't mind sort of taking us back to the 1920s, and what was Suffern like then when, the, when this theater came to be? Well, the village of Suffern has, for many years, had a thriving business district. Um, and uh, in 1924, when the Lafayette Theater opened, the population of the village of Suffern was about 3,500 people. It had several movie houses that predated the Lafayette. Um, one was in the Traphagen building. It was known as the Suffern Opera House. It would be located where... The present-day Java Love is in Suffern on the corner of Chestnut and Lafayette. And that was a wooden structure. And they had a movie studio that they kind of did productions um, and show movies up in that uh, second-floor area of, of this wooden building, as I said. But because of the fact um, they were getting crowds coming in and it was a bit of a, um, of a fire trap, they ended up uh, closing that down. And the gentleman who was running the uh, operation there um, had moved to a former wooden Catholic church that was uh, on Lafayette Avenue, uh, known as the People's Theater, and then eventually became the Liberty Theater. That building uh, had been turned around and had been fitted for, for movies. Then by 1914, uh, Daniel Hines, a shoe merchant, built a rather large building, and that building is extant, the Hines Playhouse. Um, one of the notable things about that in 1914, uh, Theodore Roosevelt came and he spoke there, uh, as part of the Bull Moose Progressive Party, trying to whip people up into a frenzy there for his uh, upcoming election. And they showed movies there. They had vaudeville acts and whatnot. But it, it was rather plain in terms of the interior. And as you mentioned in your intro, uh, A.J. Miller and several other businessmen, prominent businessmen in Suffern, got together, formed the uh, Suffern Amusement Company, and they sought out the uh, services of a extremely renowned architect, uh, Eugene DeRosa. And if you take a look at DeRosa, he had probably close to 45 to 50 commissions. So, I mean, not only had he done many works throughout the country, predominantly in New York City, uh, they also were able to tap him to come up with the design for the Lafayette Theater. Thank you for that history. Ari, single-screen movie palaces are becoming increasingly rare. Talk about your family's decision to step in to save the theater as a single-screen movie palace. So you talked a little bit about the Last Chance group mm -hmm. uh, in, your, in your intro. So there was a group of individuals 
who were the Lafayette Association to Save the Theater. And there was an 11th hour push to try and prevent this. I, I don't really know if they were looking to tear down the building or if uh, they were going to uh, gut it and split it up, which was in my, this was in around 2000. In my opinion, that was, you know, the 1970s, 1980s model to do to these buildings. So I got a phone call from Aaron Martin, who was part of the Historical Society. And she said, look, there's this group that's trying to raise money. Uh, We know your father is a prominent businessman in in Wesley Hills and Suffern. Uh, Would your family be interested in donating? I called my father right away and said, look, you know, we have to do something. This would be terrible. To Craig's point, the majesty of, of this room is something that really can't be recreated, I think, in present day. So it was important to us. We've always been avid believers in historic preservation, doing what's right for the community. My father at the time, uh, Bob Ben Moshe, was chairman and CEO of MetLife, and he, he had the means to, to donate to something like this. He, he made a phone call behind the scenes uh, to the owners, which which I believe were the uh, lenders of, of a prior owner, Al Venturini, and tried to find out how far along they were at raising the money and, and what, what amount was needed. And it turns out that although there were many individuals who opened up their wallet to give to this worthwhile cause, they were about a third of the way uh, of the money that was needed. And my father thought to himself, why give two-thirds of the money to a group, right, uh, where it was clear that the theater needed even more work beyond that. So he decided to give three-thirds of the money, and, and it was a great day. It was a great day for me. Uh, I was 21 at the time, and I remember uh, going into this room for the last chance meeting. I forget where I was, but it was this large conference room, and, and I sat there kind of quietly in, in the room, and no one really knew why I was there, and and I was able to announce that, you know, my father uh, decided to come up uh, with the money to save the theater. And there was just this uproar of, of applause and thanks. It was, it was a great experience for me. Wow, that's wonderful. The theater is truly spectacular. Talk a little bit about what shape it was in when yeah. you, you started the restoration. Like I said, there was a lot more money that, that really needed to be invested right away. Uh, it was leaking like a sieve, so, so we put in the funds to put on a, a new roof. Uh, and at the time, we, a little bit later, we replaced the air conditioning of the, of the theater and upgraded that. It was a new cooling tower and another compressor. Really, most of the bulk of our investment uh, in the theater has been base, what I would call base building upgrades, uh, getting it back to where it needed needed to be to just function and operate properly. Then after that point, we had a couple vacancies at the building. There's some retail in front. So I, I leased up the bottom of, uh, which used to be an old, old bank to a new tenant, a new retail tenant. And then I got the former, I used to be in theater uh, at Suffern High School. I've always been involved in performing arts, uh, which is sort of my attachment to this theater is sort of my outlet to the arts as well. But one of our choreographers at, at the high school, Kathleen Muins, uh, opened up the dance studio, the dance loft in the upstairs, which had been vacant for over 20 years at the theater. At that time, we, uh, 
were doing some work. Uh, the power got shut down. Uh, the, it turns out that the person who was operating the theater at that time really couldn't survive. And uh, the theater went dark for a little bit. And that, that was when I found uh, Nelson Page through the help of Dave Kopp with, with the New York Theater Organ Society. And he operated that theater for uh, on and off for about 12 years. And part of that deal is he invested a lot of time and energy in fixing up the inside of the theater, the concession stand, painting the walls. Uh, in 2009, we closed them down for a couple months, and our family went in and actually restored the ceiling of the theater as well uh, to bring out all those beautiful colors and, and architectural plaster that's, that's there with gold leaf paint and, and everything. So it's, it's interesting. The last time we, we found our painter uh, in the corner of that ceiling, uh, noted the last time it was painted, it had a date on it, and it said 1947. So that was wow. pretty shocking <laughs> to me. Wow! Uh, and look, to this day, we still we still continue to uh, put a lot in, definitely more than we get out, for sure. You're listening to WRCR and Crossroads of Rockland History. I'm Claire Sheridan, and today I'm speaking with Ari Ben Moshe and. Rockland County historian Craig Long about the 100th anniversary of the Lafayette Theater in Suffern, Rockland's only single-screen movie palace. There are many aspects of a movie theater from a technological perspective. Movies have changed a lot since this theater was built. Has that been challenging for you? I think challenging is is really an understatement <laughs> of what it's like uh, running this running this theater. So. You know, Nelson, Nelson Page, I mentioned uh, earlier in, in, in my remarks, uh, operated this for, for about 12 years, and he was, he was an individual who really knew what it took to operate this type of cinema. And he couldn't do it after a while. It was, it was in July of 2013 uh, where I stepped in as landlord, not thinking I would be an operator of movie theaters, and, and took it over. I I figured if preservation and and keeping this building going was our mission at its core, I didn't really want to be beholden to anyone else as far as a tenant, always always trying to chase down rent or worried about who's investing in what. I figured, you know what, let's see what's behind the veil and, and what it takes to operate this. So fast forward, I've been doing this for 10 years now uh, on the side, and it's not easy. You look at uh, the technology change from film to digital. You look at the time frames where which uh, I'm sure your entire audience knows what it's like to see a movie out in, in, in the movie theaters. And about two weeks later, it, it, you can stream it right away. Mm-hmm. Uh, COVID definitely accelerated that. And uh, it's, it's just incredibly difficult to have a thousand seat theater where you're beholden to contracts from the big production companies to hold it for two weeks at a minimum uh, to, to get the right content that's going to bring enough people in the seats with all the competition with theaters around the community, as well as being able to just stream it on your device. It's uh, definitely not sustainable, and uh, we're, we're happy that we've been able to, to keep it going and entertaining audiences you know, for, the last, for the last decade ourselves. Our community of people, when they come in the room, even if it's one night where 10 people show up, which does happen more often than you think, it's great that we're able to do it for those people. And we really appreciate all our Lafayette fans out there. 
Oh, that's great. Um, and, so, and, and Claire, yes, if I can interrupt, yes, please that's do. the reason why this is such a gem and why we are so fortunate in Rockland County and certainly the Village of Suffern to have this spectacular grand movie house, this palace, because they're not there anymore. And it's people like <laughs> Ari and his family who are you know, rolling up their sleeves and contributing um, more than, as he said, they, they get out of it just because they want to provide this venue for the public. It, it's amazing to me the wow factor I get from people who have never been to the theater. Or if I'm sitting in the theater and somebody, and the first time when they walk in and you step up the stairs and you go into the main area and you hear people like, wow, you know, it's just, that That to me, it's uh, it's great. It, it really is, is wonderful. It's not worth every penny, but it's worth <laughs> close to every penny. <laughs> so talk a little bit about um, the historic organ that's there. I mean, it's 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 an amazing movie theater, but also there's an, a historic organ there. Sure. So it's the Ben Hall uh, Wurlitzer organ that's owned and curated by NITOS, which is the New York Theater Organ Society. I had mentioned Dave Kopp, who's been instrumental, I would say pun intended, instrumental <laughs> in, in my involvement with the movie theater. Uh, he's been an advocate for me since day one and, and uh, I'll throw out another pun uh, with with the organ. I would I, I would say that that's really the heartbeat of the Lafayette Theater. Uh, Dave would tell you that the original organ of of the building was just a piece of garbage, and uh, there really wasn't one for for quite some time until 1990 when when this organ was moved into our building. Ben Hall was a famous film critic and. Uh, this organ used to be in the basement of Carnegie Hall at the Carnegie Hall Cinema until it closed down, and then it was moved around a little bit, supposed to be in a museum out west. It was in Ben Hall's uh, townhouse in New York City for quite some time. Wow. You can imagine a, yeah. an, an organ sitting in Amazing. someone's New York City apartment. I hope he didn't play it that much uh, for, for the neighbors. But Nitos was able to uh, get their hands on this organ and bring it into our theater. And, and I have to say, our greatest events, which really bring people back to what this theater was about, is when you could hear the organ play either before the movie or even some of our special presentations where you can come see a silent film with the organ playing live. It's just a really magical experience that, that takes you back. And there really just aren't places like this anymore. You're right. It's just, I can't express how special it is. It really is. So we do have a caller. So we're going to say, good morning, caller. What's your name? And what's your question? Hi, my name is Peter. And I'm a big fan of the theater. I've been coming there for many decades, enjoying the movies and some of the special events. And I'm excited about the 100th anniversary coming up from March 1st to 3rd. That's going to be exciting. And I know Ari was just talking about it being tough to no movies in a single-screen theater. The film companies take 60 to 70% of your box office take, and you have to keep it for two to three weeks. So I'm wondering what Ari asked you. Your plans are for doing more live shows and events like that at the theater in the future. Yeah, thank you, Peter. I'm so glad you called in, and I, I have to say to your audience, uh, Peter is, is one of our biggest fans, and all through covid all through the time that I've been running it, I, I just want to say to you, Peter, thank you for, for your interest and dedication to the Lafayette Theater because it really means a lot to me. And, uh, you know, I can't thank you enough. So 
So, yeah, it's, you know, when you talked about the challenge of running a movie theater uh, the way it is and filling a thousand seats, it's just almost theoretically impossible to get enough people to uh, collect the mass to come out. The only occasion that, that we can do it for a movie is our annual Wonderful Life right. holiday event where the community That's comes exactly. by. So I've been putting pen to paper uh, at what it would look like to convert the Lafayette Theater to a live concert venue, and, and those plans are still in the works. I think one part of it for me is, you know, I think to myself, not only the cost standpoint of converting right. this, will it work is, you know, the time that I will have to dedicate in order to do it as well. So we think it's a viable opportunity. Uh, you could see that live concerts or giving people experiences that they can't download are what we think will be the future of the next 20 years. And, and that test, that, that's going to be put to the test on Saturday, March 2nd. We have oh, right. uh, Nyack's own Neil Berg that's going to be coming to do 100 Years of Hollywood at the theater, and uh, we, we are really excited about this program. Peter, thanks so much for your call. Oh, so uh, I guess it's a, it's a good time to just jump right in and talk about this event that you're having to celebrate uh, bringing Neil Berg to the theater. That should be a spectacular show. Talk a little bit about that. I think we're right in the middle of our centennial celebration. We've done 10 weeks, so ten, effectively 10 decades of films. We're showing four films because they're not first run. We can have more content on every weekend. So we have 10 weeks, 10 decades of films. We're, we're going into our 30s weekend. And then March 1st, we're going to take everyone back to the 1920s. So Friday night at 730 we ha I talk about silent film and the organ and these special experiences. We're bringing in a young, talented, active organist, conductor, and arranger in, in the art of silent film accompaniment. His name is Brett Miller, and he's bringing his own adapted arrangement of Gottfried Hubert's score, his orchestral score for Fritz Lang's Metropolis. So that's going to be an unbelievable event that's happening on Friday. Silent film accompanied by a live organ. And then on Saturday, uh, we have Neil Berg, who's from Nyack, and his wife, Rita Harvey, who is a Broadway star, played Christine Dye in Phantom of the Opera. And uh, he has, for the last 17 years, one of the top Broadway reviews traveling around the country called The Hundred Years of Broadway. And I reached out to him through our close contact dynamic productions, Brian Rosenblum, who does all our sound and lighting when we do live performances on a case-by-case -case basis. So I go on Neil's website, and it turns out he has a show called The Hundred Years of Hollywood. And I said, wow, it couldn't, it couldn't be better that it's our 100th birthday. We have a 100 years of Hollywood show. And Neil stepped in graciously, and he's going to be performing uh, with with a great band and what started off as four Broadway performers, uh, we're now up to nine performers that are going to be on stage for this terrific event. And we have stars from Phantom of the Opera. You have Danny Zolli, who was Jesus Christ superstar. We had Cartrice uh, uh, Tucker, who was Motown, and uh, uh, Carter Culvert, who was uh, Cats. We have a whole slew of terrific performers, and it's going to take our audiences through the classics of, of the songs and 
and movie musicals from the silver screen, as well as more modern uh, movies like uh, Star is Born, as an example, Lady Gaga, or some Prince is going to hit the stage. So uh, very excited about this. This is at 730 as well on, on Saturday. And then on Sunday, which is March 3rd, our actual 100th birthday, uh, I felt it was important to do an event uh, that really spoke to the community that we're serving. And that's my mission and really why I'm here doing this and why I've been, you know, I've been with this theater now almost a quarter of its life involved in some way, which is like mind boggling to me. But we're reaching back out to the community, and we have Jeffrey Freeberg, who runs a program called Music for Life. Mm -hmm. And there's a documentary about this program that we're going to play. And and Music for Life is really taking music therapy and uh, helping people uh, either with uh, some disabilities or um, dementia, Alzheimer's, autism, and... Jeffrey runs this program and really shows how music can be a terrific medicine and outlet for people. And it's a beautiful documentary. It's about 45 minutes. And then we're actually going to see, since I'll have all this equipment and sound and lighting already in the building, we'll see some of his students come on stage and and play afterwards. So that would be, that's a free event, which is going to happen Sunday at one o'clock, but don't miss coming at 1230 uh, we'll have the organ that's going to play the audience in. So it's going to be a great weekend of celebration. Well, that's terrific. Thank you so much for uh, coming on and telling us about the theater. Craig, thank you for being here to, you know, taking us back in history to what Suffern was like. It really sounds like a tremendous set of events coming up. So thank you so much, Ari and Craig, for being here today. Thank you very much. Thank you to your community. Thank you to Rockland as a whole for supporting the Lafayette. Please note that tickets and information for the celebratory events at the Lafayette Theater can be found at their website at lafayettetheatersuffern.com. That web address again, lafayettetheatersuffern.com. And keep in mind that everything we talked about and a recording of this broadcast will be available on our website at rocklandhistory.org. In addition, you can find this episode and many others as podcasts on all major podcast platforms as well as rocklandhistory.org. And we'll be back next month, Monday, March 18th at 9.30 a.m. I hope you'll tune in then. Learn what's making history in Rockland by visiting our website at rocklandhistory.org. Another great way to find out what's making history in Rockland is to follow us on Facebook, where we have a growing group of friends and fans. You can also find us blogging on Tumblr, posting content on Instagram, threads, and even TikTok. I'm Claire Sheridan. Thanks for listening to Crossroads of Rockland History. If you're in a podcast app already, you know how to subscribe to a podcast. So subscribe to this one. If you're listening on the Historical Society of Rockland County's website and want to get each new episode of Crossroads of Rockland History delivered to you, download Apple, Stitcher, or Spotify, then search for Crossroads of Rockland History and hit subscribe. We release every third Monday of the month. Thanks for listening.